Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, the Trump tax cuts are slated to sunset in 2025, but the House has passed the GOP bill to make them permanent. And life insurance settlements, or death bonds, are being offered as a solution to senior bankruptcies. Joan Big Al also answer a whole slew of your email questions, including but not limited to what's the best Roth conversion strategy to avoid a tax bracket jump, given that recharacterizations end forever in, oh, six days from the release of this episode. The fellas have four different options for you with a caveat. Will the IRS take FICA taxes out of those conversions? What's the deal with required minimum distributions, qualified charitable distributions, and Roth IRA rollovers? Plus, Joe and Big Al go off on self-directed IRAs. Here they are now. Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Hey, uh, right out, hot off the press there, bud. What's going on? Well, this was on uh, Thursday. The House passed the GOP bill to make the new tax cuts permanent. 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 So we know that uh, December 24th of last year, we got the, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that lowered tax rates uh, for everybody. Some people ended up paying more taxes because of loss of deductions. But I would say the majority of the people that we have looked at are paying a little bit less in taxes. As you may know, this new law was to sunset generally in 2025, and this was an attempt to make it permanent, at least while the Republicans are still in control. I think that's why they kind of pushed this through quickly. Sure. So they passed it from a vote of 220 to 191. Now, this, this is step one. Right. right. Then it goes to Senate, and the Senate has 51 Republicans, 49 Democrats. In this type of bill, actually with most types of bill these days, it, it's along party lines. So, But we do know that there's a few Republicans that kind of can go a little either direction. So I, I don't know whether this will actually go through the Senate or not, but that's where we're at right now is making this, this tax law change from last year permanent. What is the definition of permanent? That's anyone's <laughs> guess. The real definition of permanent is it's, it's forever until they change it again. Got it. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned. A couple of other things, I think, when it comes to retirement plans, um, they're trying to get through. We, we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they're coming up with another stupid Myra or, or like well, a savings plan that yeah. you can get access to that, yeah, so, you know, just in case something happens. Isn't yeah. that the case with all retirement accounts? Yes, but there's penalties. <laughs> I think they're trying to make it so you can get to it without penalty, perhaps in certain circumstances, which I think is not necessarily a great idea for retirement. Sure. Because if that's really what it's for. But yeah, so there's a couple companion bills that uh, were also passed and they, they're trying to get through something called a universal savings account that just allows it. It's a little bit easier for people to save into an account and, and a little bit easier to withdraw it without penalty from a retirement account. And then there's uh, they're trying to help small businesses out so they can write off their startup expenses, which you and I were talking before the show. Most businesses write it off anyway. But there is a rule that startup expenses before you actually start your business are supposed to be capitalized and written off, I think, over five years. A few other notes to look into with stretch IRAs. There could be a limitation on the amount of money that you can stretch to the next generation. Right. Around $450,000 is going to be the maximum amount that you can stretch. Everything else is going to be taxable within a five-year period. Yeah, that that could happen. They've been talking about, about that, that for a while. couple of years. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because it, they were talking about getting rid of the stretch, getting rid of the backdoor Roth IRA, getting rid of net unrealized appreciation. Right. And then getting rid of, um, you know, there was a couple of other yeah, big and, ones. And both Republicans and Democrats supported that. And then it wasn't in this new tax cut bill. Right. And then just recently they said, well, guess what? The backdoor Roth is, is here to stay. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We don't, we're, we, we're, no, not, we're, we're not going to challenge that. We're, we're good I with mean, that. I mean, the IRS told us that. 
So, I don't know. Stick around. Stay tuned. We will uh, be on the pulse of this. And speaking of retirement accounts and changes in stretch and IRAs and all that other good stuff, the clock is ticking here for people to recharacterize their Roth IRAs. Yeah, it's very close to being gone. Yeah, you got October 15th is the last time ever. <laughs> yes, and, and so we're talking about Roth conversions that you made in 2017. You can still recharacterize up till October 15th of 2018. A couple of other deadlines on October 15th is what? Um, SEP IRA contributions. Uh, you still have time to make that profit sharing contributions. Yes, if yeah. So the way that that works, if you have a business, you can actually set up a, a SEP IRA, Simplified Employer Pension Plan, right now, all the way till October fifteenth. If you're a non-corporate business, uh, in other words, if your tax return with extensions is due on October fifteenth, you can still fund the SEP, and you can also so still fund your your profit sharing plan or the profit-sharing part of your 401k plan, as long as it was set up prior to year-end. You know what? I ran across this article, Alan, and this is what is called a, uh, what, a headline grabber or a title yeah. grabber? Yeah, headline grabber, I guess, as good as any. A surge in bankruptcy files by seniors. Really? That sounds sad. And, and then look at the picture. There's a picture Same. of an old person digging in a garbage can. Oh boy, with a shopping cart, <laughs> trying to find some goods in the right in the trash can. It's so, and this is uh, written in in wealthmanagement.com. Okay, this is more or less geared towards advisors or professionals. Sure, and then it's for years. Wealth managers have been on the front lines of an emerging national problem as it relates to retirement funding for baby boomers. So you got disappearing corporate pensions. Did you hear about that? insufficient personal savings, and then healthcare costs, and so on and so forth. So they go on to start talking about this research of that a lot of older Americans are not prepared for retirement. And I get that. Yeah. But we've seen thousands of studies, I think. Yes. And this is the first I've ever heard of people on the street. Yeah, with a picture <laughs> in the garbage can. So I go on to read the article. Yeah, so it caught your attention. It caught my attention, and then I'm like, well, this is kind of all fluff. This doesn't really tell me anything, and some of the stuff that they're quoting is fairly common. It, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, dire. You know, this oh, is by... You should, you should have saved more. Uh, yes. You should have spent less. You know, most retirees are faced with higher health care costs. Oh, they are faced with flash. You know, right, right. <laughs> you know, they are faced with, uh, you know, corporate pensions on the demise. Right. And a lack of savings is going to put, you know, seniors on the street. So, I mean, it's all fearful type yes. BS that yeah. I can't stand. Right. And then the last paragraph... Well, the last couple, he goes, where people are finding additional dollars to help fund their retirement is that if they have an old life insurance contract sitting in their drawer. Oh. And I'm like, interesting. Who has an old life insurance policy that has been sitting in their drawer for years? That's the, that has just gone bankrupt and they got a shopping cart. <laughs> so the, I'm, I'm, I'm on the street. I have a shopping cart. <laughs> but you got a desk somewhere with an old policy. <laughs> Maybe but it's in your shopping it's, cart. It's in my shopping cart. It's my life insurance policy. <laughs> right. And then it goes on to say, you know what? These individuals could sell their life insurance policies. Oh. So this whole thing was based on life settlement. Yeah. So but Darwin Baston, he's the writer of this crap, is the president and chief executive officer of Life Insurance Settlement Association. Oh, my goodness. There you go. There you got it. So whenever you read anything... 
check what's behind the Yeah, who's the, the source? Yeah. And so for those of you that are not familiar, maybe that you are, it's like a viatical life settlement. It's basically, if you have, and I said basically like 14 times. <laughs> it sounds like you're a rookie today. It's awful. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm nervous. Seems like we haven't done this show in months, and we just did it last week. <laughs> uh, life settlement is when you can sell a life insurance contract to a third party. Yeah. Warren Buffett called them death bonds at one point. Yeah. Right. That name didn't stick. It didn't very well. <laughs> so I have a life insurance contract. I'm paying premiums, or maybe it's paid up, and the death benefit is worth $100,000. Right. So I need cash. And so what do I do? Because I'm going to be on the streets digging in garbage. So I could sell this life insurance contract to a third party. So to Darwin here, he wants to buy it. Right. And so now he's going to take over that. So even though the death benefit is 100000 I'm going to receive a cash payment of that for maybe, what do you think, Twenty grand, thirty grand, Depending yeah. on my life expectancy, depending on my age, depending sure. on my health status, depending on the, how the structure of the policy is. Yes. So if it's completely paid up, that it's going to pay out at my death because it has enough cash value in that policy, well, then these people would like to buy it. Sure. Or it'd be at a deeper discount for them to take over some of the premiums. In other words, if the death benefit is high enough, I might pay you to take over your policy. Then I'm going to be watching your life because when you pass when away- When you die, I'm going to cash in. I get, I get paid. Yes. So I, I'd rather have you stay on the streets. So yeah, life settlements, <laughs> uh, bionicles. It's, it's a little strange. There's all sorts of different things. And I would highly recommend, if someone asks you to buy your life insurance, maybe dive in a little bit deeper. The commissions on these are fairly high. Yes, they are. And- I would just do some more due diligence. It is an option to keep you off the street, however, according to Darwin. Yeah. Based, so you got, you got to find your policy in yes, the drawer. Yeah, find it in the drawer. On that predatory and depressing note, up next, we're busting into the email bag and answering a bunch of your IRA questions. To learn how to master your IRA, check out this week's episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Joe and Big Al cover advanced IRA strategies, important stuff like net unrealized appreciation, RMDs, inherited and stretch IRAs, and more. Watch it online at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and be sure to subscribe because new episodes of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show post every Sunday. Now let's get to those emails. If you've got a money question, send it to Joe and Big Al at info at purefinancial.com. So this is uh, Tom from Chantilly. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, I guess so. Chantilly, VA? Virginia. So Tommy, um, he writes in to us. He goes, hey, not sure if this is the correct way to submit a podcast question, but here goes nothing. It is my understanding with the new tax law that it does not allow you to perform a conversion over to a Roth IRA and then recharacterize a portion or all of it to a later date. What is the best strategy of maximizing your Roth conversion amount in any given year with not moving yourself into the next higher tax bracket? Good question, Tom. I got a few different answers for you, but okay. um, I'm sure, Al, you got the standard. Yeah, I do have the standard. <laughs> the standard is, first of all, Tom, that's correct. And this is with this new tax law. You can no longer recharacterize. That's not true for 2017. Correct. So if you had a Roth conversion that you did in 2017, you can recharacterize all the way up to October 15th, 2018, which is right around the corner. So you got a few more days to do that. But going forward, that's a correct answer. 
So what's the best strategy is generally we're going to tell people to wait later in the year when their income is more certain, because that's right. When you do Roth conversion, it's what we call irrevocable. You can't change your mind anymore. So you might want to wait till November and December when you have more certainty on your income and you can calculate your tax bracket with more clarity and make sure you do the right amount. This also requires that you spend a little time in November or December trying to figure this out. So that's, I, that, that's, that's the, the standard. standard. That's that the standard. Is, that's the standard. So what do you answer. got in addition to that? Well, it depends, Tom, on what your income looks like. If it's W two type income, you work for an employer. It's not variable. You know, you get a one to six percent increase cost of living or something like that. Take a look at last year's tax return, and then you just put in your cost of living wages in there. And then if you have interest or dividends or other type of income, it might get a little bit more complex. But if it's just a straightforward tax return, here's what I would do. I would look at what line 43 says on your tax return for last year. That's going to be your taxable income. Then I'm going to look at the tax tables and I'm going to say, well, how much room do I have in that particular tax bracket that I want to convert? So there's three different strategies I'm going to give you. I'm going to say the best time to convert, Alan, and you know this, is the beginning of the year. If you know the if, amount. If you know the amount. So right. let's say I had $20,000 worth of room in my tax bracket last year. I might convert $17,000. Yeah. And right? S- a little s- bit lower, but I'm still going to convert in January. And so explain why is it better beginning of the year? Because I want to have that time for the, the dollars to grow. Yeah, tax-free. Why not? You get another year. Do it in January instead of December. Exactly. Let's say the market performs 6% in a year. Well, if I'm in my Roth IRA January 1, all of that 6% grew in my Roth IRA starting Jan 1. If I waited until December, well, that 6% has already you know happened, per se. And so I'm only going to have that little bit of growth within the Roth. Second way to do this is dollar cost average into the Roth IRA. So let's say you wanted to put $12,000 in the Roth IRA, put $1,000 per month as a conversion into your Roth IRA. So then you can kind of gauge things throughout the year. Yeah, and adjust as necessary. And adjust as necessary. So as the market is volatile, you're going to take advantage of better pricing as markets go down, as you dollar cost average into the Roth. Now those Roths are at a lower price. Sometimes you might time it wrong. Prices are high. It will all even out, in most cases, in your favor. So you could do it that way, just dollar cost average in. But again, it does take a little bit of work to look at what your line 43 was last year, how much that you want to convert, and then you can kind of do it slowly there. Third way is to barbell it. $20,000 is the number again. I'm going to convert $10,000 in January, and then I'm going to wait until November to see where I fall, to see, you know, check my W-2s or my, my paycheck stubs and say, okay, well, maybe it's not $20,000, it's closer to fifteen, and then I would convert the additional five at that point. I'm trying to take advantage of the time value of money to get the money into the Roth as soon as possible. So there's a couple of different ways. The most conservative way is to wait until the end of the year, find out exactly what your paycheck is going to be, and then convert it like December 15th. All right. So I agree with all three of those strategies with with one caveat. And that is you can't really look at last year's line 43 because the tax law is different. So, True. So you start there, correct, but then you got to look at what's going to be different. For example, if you're married and you got two exemptions last year, that was about $8,000. That's gone. Right. Right? So right off the bat, you, you lost $8,000. Itemized right? deductions. Itemized deductions. Let's say you've got 30000 of itemized deductions last year. And when you look at the new rule, it says you can only deduct $10,000 for state taxes and property taxes. You might be below the standard deduction, which is 24000 for a couple. So maybe you lost 6000 there. So you add those two together. That's $14,000 of less deductions. You would add that to line 43 to get your 
current year amount. And then you got to go to the current year tables, which are a lot more generous. Like for a married couple, $315,000 of taxable income is the 24% tax bracket. Last year in that income level, you were probably at a 35% bracket when you counted alternative minimum tax. Right. I thought that was pretty good. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, and our good producer, Andy Lash, she was just at a FinCon conference, Alan. Did yes, you know about this? I did know about that. And so she wrote a little white paper here. Seven business lessons everyone can use from FinCon 18. Seven businesses? Uh, you can think of eight? Actually, there is a bonus one in there. So there, there are eight. There's <laughs> eight. Oh, all right. There you go. So FinCon is where money and media meet. It's a conference for money nerds, basically. And so these are great ideas from people like Gene Chatsky of The Today Show, uh, Chris Hogan from Ramsey Solutions, Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamins, people like that. So You want to uh, give us a highlight? Sure. I'll just uh, I'll go through them real quickly. The first one is have specific goals. Don't just goals. get into it without having you know an well, you exact idea. you can't give all eight away. You can give like three. Then they, it's, yeah. a, it's called a tease. Right, exactly. Yes, all right. And then uh, make your business about helping other people. Don't go into it with the plan of, I'm going to get rich and famous. Look at how it is that you're going to actually serve your customer the best and fill unmet needs. Find out what your competition is doing. Find out what the holes are in what they're doing and make sure that you are filling those needs. So there you go. Those are the first three. We blew it, Al, when we started this company. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we, I had this I know. White paper we would have known 10 that, years ago. Right? Uh, where can people find this, Andy? They can download it from the show notes for this episode. Just look for seven business lessons everyone can use from FinCon 18, or you can go to purefinancial.com slash FinCon 18. FinCon 18. Great. Uh, this one's from Bill. Uh, Bill writes in, Joe and Al, based on information from your podcasts, I'm planning on a- um, allocating a portion of my 2018 RMD to charity so that those dollars will now count as income to me. To this end, I set up a donor advice fund. However, when I contacted Schwab Charitable, they said donor advice fund is not eligible for a direct contribution. Per a, law's passed, per a law that passed in 2016, you must donate directly to the charities themselves. And while on subject of RMD restrictions, I understand you cannot allocate any part of the RMD as a rollover to a Roth IRA. If you want to roll over funds, you have to do that with monies taken out in addition to the RMD. Is this all correct? I also have a question. I listened to your podcast uh, with Jeff Levine. I believe he uh, said there may be a tax advantage uh, to paying investment advisor fees from funds outside the accounts rather than having the advisor take it directly from the accounts. Did I hear that correctly? Can you explain? Your podcasts are great, and I always learn something new. All right, we Thank love, you, Bill. love to answer those questions. All right, first things first, uh, Big Al. So he wants to do a um, QCD. Yeah, Qualified Charitable Distribution. And a QCD allows someone to take their required minimum distribution up to $100,000 and give that directly to charity. Yeah, and, and it, can, it can be more than your required minimum distribution. You can do up to $100,000 and it can count your RMD. You have to be over 70 and a half, right? And, and if you're married, you and your spouse could potentially do it. The advantage there is the money that comes out of your IRA as a required minimum distribution does not show up on your tax return. 
so you don't pay any any income taxes on it. And that's even more beneficial right now, Joe, because a lot of people are not able to itemize their deductions because there's a higher standard deduction. So I think a lot of people are going to be using that. Now, can you give directly to a donor-advised fund? Unfortunately, the answer is no. So that's the correct answer you got from Schwab Charitable. Right, and you wouldn't want to in, in most cases now. Because if you're giving it directly to, let's say, a, a donor advised fund, I guess you could take a distribution, pay the tax, and then put it in the donor advised yeah, fund. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's but the that's, same same as taking it out and giving it to anybody. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. Um, so the the pro is that you just give it directly to the charity of your choice. Uh, you can give any dollar figure up to maximum $100,000 that comes from your retirement account. Right. So let's say your RMD is $10,000. Okay. So you can do $2,000 directly to charity. That's fine. You could do $10,000. You could do $100,000. But if it's $10,000 or over, it counts as your, require, your full required minimum distribution. Um, going on to the next question you have, Bill is that you're asking about uh, Roth IRA conversions. And you are absolutely right. You cannot convert a required minimum distribution to a Roth IRA. The RMD always comes out first. So you you have to take the RMD out first, then you convert whatever else that you want. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't know this rule. They get it backwards. So they do a conversion first, and then a required minimum distribution second, and you actually can't do that. It's a, it's a prohibited transaction. Right. And well, what happens then if you did do that? It's like an excess contribution into the Roth IRA, and you're going to be penalized six percent per year that that money's in the Roth. And here's the rationale behind it. It makes sense. Is that if I have a hundred thousand dollars in my retirement account, right, at December thirty first, and then let's say January first, because that's where they calculate the RMD. Sure. And they're like, oh, okay, well, nope, just kidding. I'm going to convert fifty thousand dollars, and then I'm going to calculate my RMD on fifty thousand. Well, no, you got to take the distribution first, then you can convert. So, um, you are correct, Amundo. There, Bill, you're on top of it. And then the last but not least. Um, I think you got that one backwards. Yeah, you do have that one backwards. So in uh, two out of three ain't bad, Bill. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So nowadays, I mean, in the past, you could pay your IRA uh, fees to an advisor in out of your trust account. You could pay it directly from your trust account and get a tax deduction. It was a miscellaneous itemized deduction. That's gone. So you can no longer take that deduction. You want those fees, to the extent there are fees, to be taken directly out of your IRA. You don't want to pay it personally. There's no tax benefit. If it's in your IRA, you're reducing your I, your IRA balance, which then reduces your RMD. So it's, it's important that you now have the fees come out directly to the IRA. Yeah, but in, in, in essence, too, when you take the fees out of the IRA, it's it's a tax-free event, too. Yeah, it's, it's like you paid the fees, but didn't pay right. With, so with if, if, money. if I have a two thousand dollar fee in my IRA and I take it out of my IRA to pay the advisor, it's not a taxable event. Correct. Which, right. So it's almost same same and say, hey, I'm taking the two thousand dollars out of the IRA. I'm not paying tax on it. Versus saying, all right, I'm going to pay you out of my my checking account the two thousand uh, dollars and uh, that money that I've already taxed. Already paid tax on. Yep. And then I'll try to take a tax deduction. The law changed. They won't allow you to do those uh, tax deductions. Yeah. So so don't longer. do that anymore. You might have a question. Can you in your IRA? Can you pay your your trust account or non retirement account fees? And you cannot. So just have the fees come out of the accounts that they uh, belong to. 
Learn more about creating charitable tax deductions in the show notes for this episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download the free Roth IRA Basics white paper while you're there. Now, if you've got questions, and after that, boy, I know I sure do, or if you need more guidance on your specific situation, email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Okay, we got Deborah. She's got a question for us. For someone like me who's 66 and female, with no 401k, no saving, no stocks, nothing, but a 2017 vehicle and lives in a room that I rent in someone else's home. All I have when I file for Social Security uh, this upcoming year and will be all that I have to live on with a small pension of less than $1,000. What is your recommendation? Please take into consideration, Alan, my health is not as good as it used to be. So if I was able to work, I would not be able to do so past the age of 68. I know you talk about all people with stocks, uh, 401ks and savings accounts for the past 40 years. I do not have any of this in my portfolio. How can you help me and people like me? Thank you for any help that you can give. Uh, Deborah. All right. So she's got a car. Uh, she's looking to file Social Security benefits. She's 66 years old. Uh, she's got a small pension of a thousand bucks. And uh, what type of advice are you giving her, Ellen? That's that's a good question. I don't know if the thousand dollars is per year or per month. I don't know either. It doesn't say. Does yeah. Either way, it sounds like it's not really enough for her to live off of her lifestyle. Sure. So, uh, and Deborah, I would say, unfortunately, this is not an uncommon situation. And what do, what do people do in these situations? Unfortunately, uh, a few things. Uh, one is uh, you got to take a really good hard look at your budget, and you got to probably cut some things out. You're going to be working. Uh, is she still working? Or yeah, yeah she's, she's still working, working, but she yeah. doesn't. Um, she, yeah. she probably oh, she's can't. She's 66. Couple more years, maybe. Couple, more, Couple years. more years. So, so I would say this. So, so look at what you have that you can possibly cut. You're going to have to cut your lifestyle anyway. So get used to that right now. Yeah, good, is, good point. Is number one. Number two is. Why do you have a 2017 vehicle if you don't have any other assets? Maybe you're leasing it. Maybe you got stuck into a high lease. If you if you own it, sell it. Buy something cheaper. You, you need to build up whatever sort of liquid assets that you can build up. And then I'll go back to my first comment. If you cut your lifestyle, maybe you actually can save a little bit over these next couple years so you at least have something to work with. You might look at uh, downs well, you can't downsize. You're in a you're renting a home, home, but maybe there's other parts of the country that are cheaper. You know, for example, do you have kids? Maybe you're going to have to get a little help from the kids. Maybe live in the same community as them, and and they could help out a little bit. I mean, unfortunately, this is this is somewhat common. Here's what Deborah. Here's my advice. Look at your Social Security statement. Figure out exactly what that benefit is going to pay you at 68 or 70. I would suggest try to work as long as you possibly can. But then, let's say your Social Security benefit is going to be, um, hypothetically, I don't know, throw out a number, 1500 bucks a month. Right. Try to live off of $1,500 a month for the next two years. Right now. Right now. And try you, to do it. And you can add your, your future pension to it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then everything else that you have as income, save it. Right? Because that's where it's going, regardless. Right? In two years, that's your income. If, if all you have is Social Security and a 2017 Jaguar... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't say that, but whatever. Right. But you have to start pretending that don't. If you're making eighty thousand dollars, do not be spending eighty grand. Right. Start rehearsing your 
lifestyle with the amount of income that is going to come in right now and then save everything else in your retirement is going to at least be a little bit more palatable. Yeah, I've got one other thing to say. And, and so you're suggesting that you may not be able to work past 68. And so I'll take that at face value. But is there anything that you can do from home, part-time or something, whether it's walking dogs or babysitting or, or something to bring in a little extra income as long as you're able to? That would be another way to sort of help bridge the gap. Um, this email is from Luis. Folks, if you're going to email us, let's make it a little bit more personal. I'm just, I want to know where you're from. <laughs> right. Right? You make it up. Have some, let's have some fun with these sure, emails. Sure, sure. Um, or else we're going to make it up for you. So where do you think Luis is from? Uh, San Diego, I'm okay. guessing. All right. Um, hi, Joe. I really enjoy your webinars. I'm learning a lot from them. Thank you very much, Luis. Uh, I'm 63, retired, and plan to apply for Social Security benefits at FRA. I have about 900 grand in traditional IRA and about $250,000 in taxable accounts to balance my investments and reduce my taxes when I have to take the required mandatory withdrawals. I don't plan on taking any of those before I retire, uh, before then, or age 70. I'm taking your advice and plan to convert at least half my traditional IRA funds to a Roth. First of all, Luis, we do not give advice on this program whatsoever. We chat about strategy. True. Our compliance officer made us say that. And I'm not sure if I've ever given anyone the advice to convert half. No, but but we do like Roth conversions, and I, and I do agree with the concept. I know I have to pay the income taxes on the conversion at my marginal tax rate, which I can pay from my pension. But here's the question. Does the IRS also collect Social Security and Medicare taxes from it as well? Appreciate any advice you could share. Best regards, Luis. So the question is, does the IRS collect Social Security and Medicare taxes from the conversion, I guess? Is, yes. that, is that what you read? That is what I read. Okay. The answer is no. No. In, in fact, they only collect Social Security and Medicare taxes on earned income. So that's salaries or if you have a business that's profitable, that would be earned income too. So that's the two cases where that happens. So no, there's no Social Security Medicare taxes. But the, I think the bigger question is, uh, or, or the comment that I'll make is, is, is I agree with your strategy uh, in terms of Roth conversions, but it's not necessarily half. The, the goal is a little bit more current tax bracket, how much you can convert maybe to that bracket, look at your retirement tax bracket, given required minimum distributions. In some cases, we find some people may only need to convert about 25% or less of their, of their IRA because they'll stay in the lowest bracket anyway. Yeah, but it sounds to me that Lewis has um, Social Security and he also has a pension. True. And so now the question comes into play is, well, how big of a pension? What's his Social Security benefit? He's pushing his Social Security benefit out at, he's going to take it at FRA at, at full, full retirement, retirement age. age. Yeah. I don't know if he should do that. I think he might want to push that out to age 70. He's already taken his pension. And then it's looking at, all right, well, how much money should he be converting? So you have to take a look at what tax bracket is he in now? What tax bracket is he going to be when he starts claiming required distributions? Then he also has to take a look at if he's married or single. If he loses his spouse, what's the tax bracket there? So it could be a lot less, as Al was saying, of 50% of your money, or it could be a heck of a lot more. It could be. So it, it's not like a rule of thumb to say, oh, I want half in my IRA, half in my Roth. It doesn't. It's it's not as simple as that. I wish it 
was. So um, you probably want to do a little bit more planning, but I agree with Al. I like where your head's at. Um, Tax-free dollars for long-term is a good idea, especially it sounds like you don't necessarily need the money because you have pensions and Social Security to live off of, and then that uh, could continue to grow for you tax-free. Click special offer at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or visit the white paper section of the Learning Center to download our free white paper, Eight Types of IRAs. It covers each of the different types of IRAs, who can contribute, how deductible and non-deductible IRAs are different, and which IRA is right for you. Now, one of those eight is the self-directed IRA. We do get questions about them. Let's see what Joe and Big Al think. Do you like self-directed IRAs? No, no, I don't really care for self-directed IRAs Actually, I don't either. That's, that's where you have non-traditional assets like real estate. That's probably the most common one. And uh, I'll tell you what, as a young CPA and interested in investing in real estate and, and the, the capital that I had to invest was inside my retirement account, I, I got all excited. Oh, I'm gonna, and I got this book on investing in real estate. I read the book cover to cover and I put it down. I said, okay, I'm never gonna do that because that's really not a very good idea yeah. on so many, many levels. levels. Right. I don't know why um, I, can't, I can't think of. Well, here's the only rationale I can think of where it would make sense to buy a hard asset, real estate, um, like a single family resident, inside my retirement account, is that if I was a master flipper, right, and I had the tools and the materials, and I was a, um, you know, my old man was alive, that he could go in there and fix up the houses with really cheap. Labor, like zero labor cost and right. very cheap material cost. And we were going to buy a couple of homes and then fix them up and sell them that year Yeah, but at a profit. You got two problems with that strategy. One is you got unrelated business income tax because that's that's like a business. Oh, yeah, that's right, and because I'm putting money into the property. Yeah, well, because you, you, have, you have a business inside the IRA, which may give rise to the um, unrelated business income taxes. So that's number one. Number two is you can't be involved in the business, otherwise it blows the whole thing. So it, anyway, great idea. <laughs> awesome. So no, I don't see any reason why to do that, Alan. Let me tell you why not to do it. So first of all, when you have the IR, when you have the real estate in the uh, IRA, uh, you put the asset in, and then you got to have a checkbook. Rental income comes in. Okay, you got the rent, and oops, this month I got a repair. I don't have enough money in the checkbook. Yep. Can't make the repair. Right. You can't pay for it yourself because that's a that's a prohibitive transaction. It's like a contribution to your IRA right. that you can't so, make. So you're stuck. The second thing is you can't borrow money. I mean, I suppose if if a bank would lend you money, which is very rare, but I guess if they did, then you have to do this unrelated business income tax. But anyway, you can, you generally can't borrow against it, and that's one of the reasons why people like real estate. You don't have to put all your own money in. You put a 10%, 20%, down payment, and you get the bank to do the rest, and so you stretch your investment capital. That's how you make money in real estate. You can't do that inside, <laughs> inside an IRA. Then all of the, um, all the income is it's not, it's tax-deferred, but uh, if you would have had it outside, you would have had depreciation. It probably would have been tax-free Anyway, if you sell the property inside the IRA, no big deal, but you could sell it outside of the IRA, do a 1031 exchange, no problem, right? If you pass away and own a piece of real estate, it gets a step up in basis. The next generation gets to uh, get that asset, sell it, pay no tax in your IRA, no step up. Your kids, when they get that money out, fully taxable. At 70 and a half, you have to take a required minimum distribution. 
how do you do that if you have a property? You can't just like take a board off the right. wall and say, okay, this is my RMD. <laughs> it has to be cash. So you're going to have to sell the property inside. Uh, oh, it's just, there's so, so many There's so got to be a lot of cash within the IRA to, as to well make it, to as make to make it work as well as you got a million dollar IRA and then maybe you have a $200,000 property and you have $800,000 yeah. liquid. And then, and then there's there's problems with, you can't really do the maintenance yourself because that's a that's a related party issue, prohibitive transaction. So uh, it, there's just, uh, there's almost no reason I could imagine why. The only reason someone would want to do it is they, they are so distrusting of capital markets, and they would invest either in cash or in real estate. I guess maybe that person. Well, and we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> we do know who you are. Oh, we get a lot of uh, real estate investors that we come, do come through. Well, and we we because we talk real estate, and I think it's important because real estate is a part of your finances. It, we should talk about it. I just don't like it inside of an IRA. No, me neither. Yeah, I remember 08, and we were doing these tax workshops, and we would get several questions of like, hey, I got an IRA in my, or I, I got an IRA in my real estate. I am almost on the verge of <laughs> getting did you, a lobotomy. Did you, did, <laughs> did you forget your Wheaties this morning? I did something. Yeah. Um, How's your back? Is it better? Yeah, the back is better. Good, Thank you. Good. Thank you. Because uh, yesterday you, you were limping. I know. I pulled a hammy sleeping. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> how old are you now? Uh, don't worry about it, Andy. <laughs> what, what goes on in your bedroom? I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was watching a movie. I fell asleep, and then halfway through, it was like I couldn't lift my leg. That's the story you tell your mom? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the story I'm telling my um, your, audience Our audience? Here. Podcast yes. audience? Yes. Okay. So... Uh, that is exactly what happened. Okay. All right. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, I want to thank Andy Lass for coming um, back from uh, FinCon in One Piece. Oh, I thank you. I appreciate that. That's a big party, and people do some crazy things. Looks like she, she, she made it back. She, back she looks totally normal. Big, and she wrote uh, an article and everything. An yeah. So, Alan, great job today. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll see you next week. Yes, it was a party, but more importantly, I learned a lot. And you can download those seven business lessons everyone can use from FinCon 18 in the show notes for this episode at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, which is also where you can find links to subscribe to this podcast on any and all of your favorite podcast apps. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which is also where you can find our ratings and reviews in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Now, for answers to your money questions, email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next time for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Hey, thanks for listening. I appreciate you.